lots and lots of spoilers. Bogey and Bacall, Burton and Taylor, Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> Who can forget these romantic duos whose chemistry set the silver screen a sizzling? Yes! In this week's edition of Isn't It Romantic, the moon hits our eye like a big pizza pie. <laughs> Ow, it's an... hot! It's burning oh, the cheese! Oh, God, get the pepperoni out of your eye! <laughs> uh, another legendary romantic couple, Tracy and Hepburn. Who can forget when Dick Tracy and Audrey Hepburn churned out romantic movie after romantic movie? Everyone, um, that's who, because it never happened, no matter what Mike's fan fiction would have you believe. You don't leave my fan fiction Seriously, alone. Mike, no one ships those two except you. Shut up. Yeah, no, of course, I'm talking about Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. And this week we're sighing over Pat and Mike, their seventh film together. This is a movie where Hepburn plays a star athlete and Tracy plays a grouchy, rough-spoken palooka. Wow, real stretch there, you two. I'm your host, Max, Dr. Love, Levine. And over there, smoldering in the corner, is Mike, physician's assistant, fondness, loose. What? <laughs> Someday you'll be a real doctor. A dentist. <laughs> Yes, yes. And but first, there's trivia. There is? Oh, there is. I wasn't prepared. <laughs> Fortunately, I am. Uh. The show. Now, the budget for this movie was $1.6 Really? The box, yeah. Pretty pretty expensive, but you got to remember, Tracy and Hepburn had been making movies for a while. They were expensive people. Mm. Box office was $2.6 Mm-hmm. Now, you got to remember, this was in the days, this was not back before you had to make three times your budget. Oh, yeah. Because they just, you know, nobody spent that much. They just, there weren't a lot of Pat and Mike Happy Meals, I don't think. <laughs> not a lot of cross-promotion. with No uh, t-shirts? Uh, no t-shirts. Edible underwear? No, no. Well, I'm pretty sure there was edible underwear, yes. So oh, okay. th this was a moderate success, but not huge. Hmm. This was directed by George Cukor, or Cukor, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. Uh, who is, this guy is friggin' Hollywood royalty. He did the Philadelphia story, My Fair Lady, the Judy Garland, A Star is Born. And I didn't know this. He was one of the directors on a, The Wizard of Oz. That I did know. I did, he was yeah, replaced he was a, by Victor Fleming. Yeah, he was an interim when they between when they fired Richard Thorpe and when they hired Victor Fleming. Yeah. Wait. This, uh, this was written by the husband and wife team of uh, Garson Kanan and Ruth Gordon. Yes, that Ruth Gordon. As in Harold and Maud, as in uh, all the other things she has done. Oh, what yes. a startling Ro coincidence, but we'll get to that. Yes, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, there was that. And uh, they actually, Kanan and Gordon were really good friends of Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. They wrote the script especially for them to capture the essence of their real-life personalities and relationship. As well as, you know, to showcase Hepburn's athletic abilities. Wait, Tracy, wait. Tracy was an actual gangster? <laughs> well, no, but he was cranky and, but lovable. You know, he was mm. gruff but lovable Gus. Okay. And Hepburn really was a star athlete. She I'm was not surprised. <laughs> she was a brilliant golf player and she was one of the best tennis players in Hollywood. 
I, I don't really know what that says about Hollywood, but uh, she was apparently just fantastic. Uh, there's some uh, trivia here. There isn't a lot about the movie itself. Obviously, the more interesting stuff is about the people behind it, which is you know Tracy and Hepburn's relationship, but I don't really want to get into that too much. I mean, this isn't really a, go a gossip show. Pity, because some uh, of it's other interesting, because there, there, there is the all-well-known, oh, they were both married to other people, but they really loved each other. And then there's the, yeah, they used each other to hide other things that may or may nah. not have been true. And yeah, no, but I'm, I've heard both things, yeah. They, they were, I mean, they were, they, they, they were affair, if it was an affair, was one of Hollywood's greatest open secrets, because well, uh, Spencer they Tracy... They filmed was, it! <laughs> yeah. They made nine movies together, by the way, and... Uh, Apparently, this one, Pat and Mike, was Catherine Hepburn's favorite. Oh. We do have the film debut of one of the true greats of Hollywood, <laughs> Chuck Connors! Yeah, he too. Chuck Connors, the rifleman, shows up as the police captain. And boy, can you tell, because he's so tall and his chin is so long. <laughs> he, he, he dwarfs everyone else in the film. It's really, you can see why they don't, most of the, they shoot him sitting down. Well, he was one of four uh, cameos that I picked up. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of them, not so much a cameo as uh, just a short, a small role. A fellow by the name of uh, Charles Bushinsky. Yeah. Better known to us as Charles Bronson. But as soon as he walked in, I'm like, "Is that Charles Bronson?" Charles, because <laughs> one thing you can say about Charles Bronson is he has a very distinctive face. Yes. This you know this was his second film role, his second credited film role, only a few months released, only a few months after his first one, which was of course My Six Convicts, which we all remember from never having seen it. Right. <laughs> but yes, that is Charles Bronson, and one of the greatest scenes is watching Catherine Hepburn beat up Charles Bronson. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Which honestly, I believed. I yep, oh, I yeah. buy this. I okay. have no trouble with that. There is another major cameo, which actually I find kind of sad. It is, and I saw him. It's like that's not who I think it is because yeah. I thought he had died the, by then. But no, it the, was him. The bus boy in the white jacket, who's help, who sort of helps replay the fight sequence. That is Carl Switzer, better known to the world as Alfalfa from The Little Rascals. Yeah, was that his last role? I think it was, or if it was, yeah. if not his last, he it was one of his last. He died very young. Well, he was a yeah, he was a rough and tumble little punk. Like outside uh, Little Rascals, he was constantly known for getting into fights. Sadly, he had quite a drinking problem when he got older. Dear. Um, but yeah, he was he was a rough guy. Interestingly. Wow. Did you catch the fourth cameo? Uh, I Oh, of course, Jim Backus. Oh, I'm sorry, five. Oh, can, oh right. yeah, J yeah, Mr. Howell. Yeah, Mr. Howell is in there in the, just a couple of scenes near the beginning. No, uh, maybe not. Who's the other one? Ah. Uh -huh. I saw the I, I saw the face and it's like, I don't know about the face. I heard the voice and it's like, I know that voice. And I, to be fair, I, I'm going to guess none of our listeners will get this uh, this cameo. It's an actor by the name of George Matthews. You and I saw him in a little short called X Marks the Spot. He played the guardian angel to Joe Dokes. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, that was him? Yes. Wait, who did he play in this? Was he? He, he was one Spex. of the gangsters. He, played... he was Specs. Oh yes. my God, the one with the glasses. Oh, geez. Yeah. I didn't catch that at all. Yeah. I just the voice. You should got be to very me. Went, proud. 
<laughs> I went and looked it up. I'm usually not right about those things, but I was just like, that, that voice, that, that, nah, yep. I don't know. So, uh, the, uh, well, the other thing about the writing team of, uh, Ruth Gordon and Garson, uh, Kanan, this is the second of the two films that they wrote for Hippert and Tracy. The other was Adam's Rib in 1949. Oh, yeah. Both of these films were directed by George Cukor and both earned Gordon and Kanan an Oscar nomination for Best Screenplay. Mm. And the only other thing is a number of the uh, of Pat's, uh, Catherine Hepburn's uh, opponents in tennis and golf were played by real famous athletes of the time. Yeah, Don famous. Budge, Alice Marble, Frank Parker, Betty Hicks, Beverly Hanson, Helen Detweiler, Gussie Moran. Those are all real. And also Babe Zaharias, who she plays uh, in golf, she was an Olympic gold medalist. She won two medals in track and field, and she won ten, count them, ten LPGA championships. Well, this that's because she couldn't win 11. <laughs> <laughs> this was not some duffer. This was one of the great golfers in the world. I was disappointed, though, at one point. there is, We see on the marquee that she's supposed to be up against, in mixed doubles, Pancho Gonzalez who I was always taught by my father was one of the greatest tennis players who ever walked the earth, and he doesn't actually show up. Oh. Yeah, I was sorry. Been, well, been he, he wouldn't have played Catherine Hepburn anyway. They have, no, probably not. He wasn't much of an actor. Well, I don't think they'd allowed that, did they? You couldn't just have a guy and a woman no, back no, then? No, no, they were playing mixed doubles. We, oh, see, well. we, we see one of those. You know, she's yeah. playing with... Uh, I think she was playing with or Don not somebody like that. Could have been Don. Nope, don't actually give me a ball. Okay. That's pretty much all I've got. You got any uh, anything else you noticed? Just George Matthews, which, yeah. and X-Marks, just for, for people who are like, what the heck? It's one of the shorts from uh, MST3K. Um, Joe Dokes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. So that's it. That's all I got. Yep. So the plot. Ooh. Pat Pemberton, Catherine Hepburn, is a first-class athlete but finds herself stifled by her fiancé, Collier, played by everyone's favorite, William Ching, Boo. who just wants her to be his little woman. Boo. Deciding to take charge of her life and follow her dream to become a pro athlete, she partners up with slightly shady fight promoter or uh, athletic promoter. He's also running a boxer, played by Aldo Ray, Mike yeah. Conovan, Spencer Tracy, who quickly realizes that Collier is basically a jinx for Pat. Together, Pat and Mike deal with this jinx, the world of professional sports, gangsters, investors, and a growing attraction for each other. That's pretty much it. <laughs> it is boiled down, isn't it? Yeah, it really so is. Now, the plot is fairly simple. And so now, we go to this. Yes. The lowdown. So how do you want to start? Yep. I gotta say, one of the things I like is, and it's a staple in a lot of romantic comedies, is the woman, it's usually the woman, later it becomes, sometimes it's the guy, is involved with someone who she clearly should not be involved with. Yeah, and, and we kind of, from the start, don't like Collier. I don't, yeah. I don't like his name. <laughs> yeah. He, um, he, he has the most, I don't know, just 1950s jerk name, uh, pretty much in the movie, uh, Collier Weld. Why it's, not it's just a, call him Whitey McMiterson? 
<laughs> I think it's also one of those names that was popular around turn of the century. Yeah. Like you don't hear it so much, but I have it also has the sound of one of those names that hipster parents are going to start calling their kids again, like Aiden uh, yeah. or yeah. Asa, <laughs> stuff like that. It's like we're going to see some Colliers, I just bet. But yeah, we don't like I never, he's a character actor, I think. I've seen him in other things later on. Um, older and dumpier, but he looked vaguely familiar. I didn't look him up. The the prob one of the real problems with him, and it's one of the problem. I have to say, one of the few things the problems in the movie, he cannot hold his own against Catherine Hepburn <laughs> at all. No, he really when, can't. Whenever they're on screen together, it's like even when he's speaking, you're like, I'm hearing noise, but I'm just looking at Catherine Hepburn. I'm waiting for her to talk. You know, shut up. Let let the actor talk. Yeah. It's not that good, and she's so good. It's just kind of sad. Yeah, one of my first notes was it's really hard seeing Catherine Hepburn bow to anybody. Yeah. Um, and to this palooka, you know, because <laughs> he, I mean, he's, he's not a palooka. Quite honestly, um, Aldo Ray, who plays Hucko, <laughs> that's a palooka. Oh, he's so cute. I'm he sorry. is cute. Aldo I mean, Ray is adorable in this. <laughs> I like him big and stupid. How come he don't examine me now? <laughs> <laughs> he, he's potentially overplayed a little bit, a but little. he is well. Yeah, maybe. he is very much the stereotype of the punch drunk dumb boxer. Yeah, which is not fair. A lot of boxers can be very sharp, but let's face it—you get punched in the head for a living. <laughs> You're not always the most articulate. I mean, there are people who are. God, Muhammad Ali, even Randy Tex Cobb. Yeah, but, and uh, well, Muhammad Ali also did develop some mental issues later yeah, in life because of that. Yes. So, um, yes. he's he is cute in more than one way. He is cute, um, but Collier's not. No, um, I, I guess he's a businessman of some. You know, well, well, no, I, well, I think he's he's real the first estate? thing we see him doing is he's trying to raise, he's trying to uh, get donations for a college. So maybe he works in college fundraising. I'm not. It's not clear. Yeah, but he's it, everything he's acquiring. About him, <laughs> Yeah, everything about him says uh, old money. Yeah. Um, and one of the first things he does, which is very annoying, is he tells Catherine Hepburn she can't wear pants. Yeah. And it's like, this is still a thing? I guess it really would be. Yeah. Um, I mean, heck, there's even a bit in the Mary Tyler Moore show in the 70s where Mary Tyler Moore <laughs> walks in and she just happens to be wearing pants that day. And uh, Lou Grant just says, don't wear pants in the newsroom. <laughs> That was like 1971, so I guess so. But yeah, seeing her actually bow and get uptight around him, it's it's hard in two different ways for me. One, she's a way better actor than he is. And two, it's just, it's Catherine Hepburn. She, yeah. You know, African queen. She doesn't bow to anybody. If she's not going to bow to Humphrey Bogart, she's not going to bow to this guy. Yeah, seriously. Catherine Hepburn has, is such a force. Yeah, and then we start seeing her play golf. Like, the whole deal is that she's a phys ed instructor at this college, and she's supposed to be going off to play uh, mixed doubles golf with these people that Collier's trying to get money from for, you know, a new... I think it's for a new gym, actually. And he says to her, uh, I'm going to have to try and humbly lose to the guy, but you have to beat the wife for reasons I don't really understand, but just you mm. need to beat the wife. Uh, later, we kind of figure you need to beat her because she's really annoying and won't <laughs> shut up. Yeah. And the problem is, is that for some reason, I'm wondering if like it's supposed to be suggested that because she's an athlete that she can't get a guy 
and that Collier's her best bet or something. I don't know. Well, we also know she's a widow. Yeah, it's a Collier, real th- it's a real throwaway. And, yeah, but very. Uh, well, her name's Mrs. Right, yeah, so it's Mrs. Mrs. Pemberton. Pemberton, and they're all worried about oh, how that's going to look. It's like I'm I'm a widow. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but he puts pressure on her, and somehow his presence causes her to kind of melt at the core. And sadly, she whenever he's like looking at her, I'm counting on you. She can't. She chokes. Yeah, every um, time. It's and, kind, it's played up almost cartoonishly. It is times. because it's the one effort that Catherine makes that I I wonder if it rubbed her the wrong way. It's like really, I have to now play less than I am. Okay. I'll do that because you're paying me. But I, as soon as she picked up the golf club and the way she was like holding it and the way, and it's like, I know nothing about golf, but I'm sitting there watching. It's like, oh no, I, I don't know anything about Catherine Hepburn's sports ability. I totally believe she can play golf and yeah. I believe she plays it really well. Yeah. And so then we have to watch her basically not play well because Collier's there. That And that is the one thing that she sort of does. It's a little awkward. And honestly, I think it's because Catherine Hepburn George Kukursa would probably tell her, okay, now here's the thing. You end up playing badly because this guy makes you uncomfortable. And she's like, wait, you mean a man makes me uncomfortable? Why? You don't mean this guy here. <laughs> like, who? That that guy over there, I'm supposed to be intimidated by him? Yeah. She's clearly playing against an idea she doesn't understand. <laughs> I could kind of understand her being intimidated a little by Spencer Tracy, because when he wants to be, Spencer Tracy is a very intimidating presence. But it, it, I, even that, I don't think it would do it. At worst, it would annoy her, and she'd you know break a golf club over his head. But. And, well, and she does eventually prove that she doesn't really take guff from him either. Yeah. Uh, and the problem, of course, is that you know, it's Spencer and, and uh, Spencer and Tracy. It's Tracy and Hepburn or Hepburn and Tracy, however you yeah. want to do it. We know them, right? And although my favorite of their films won't come till I think, three years after this one. Oh, um, is it? It's, uh, which is Desk uh, Set. Desk Set. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, it's like they're so ingrained with each other. It's like I'm having a hard time believing she's taking anything from him just because it's those two. Um it's like she's pretending to be uptight around him. And it's like, she's a great actor, but I'm kind of not buying it. <laughs> it's like, Wait. I honestly don't believe there was anything that was beyond Catherine Hepburn. I just yeah. don't. <laughs> it's hard to believe she would ever, that anyone could ever make her uncomfortable enough to mess up. Yeah. But she's such, but she's good enough that she can almost make it believable. Yeah. It's and just part of this it, is we know who she is. We've seen her in other stuff. We always see her as incredibly powerful characters. Yeah. Or, Hell, com- was... or very competent. And that's yeah. the only problem is that she's working against her competency. It's almost like, okay, so we need you to be not so good this time. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. It's like, I'm sure she didn't. Um, yeah, and the thing is that she, the character, Pat Pemberton, is not just an athlete. She's a super athlete. She can do everything. And she's very humble about it. Like oh, she yeah, doesn't I can do think this. it's a big deal. It's no. you know, what do you, you know, what he says is a joke. Do you box too? Well, just sixteen ounce gloves. I think no. eight or two. He's like, well, what? <laughs> and I'm sorry that we actually never saw her like shadow box or something with uh, Hucko because I think that it's like no, you just keep dropping your left. That's the problem. I I honestly would have bought that too. I, I would have worried about her hurting Aldo Ray. So <laughs> well, he wouldn't hit her. You know, he wouldn't. Of course, he wouldn't. It's like he wanted. Oh, take a poke at her it's like but you he'd never hit a woman i just he's what he's too traditional and Um, the jealousy you know he's the fighter basically um spencer tracy's character mike is a sports promoter 
Although he also appears to be a trainer, a coach, and no wonder he takes such a large percentage. That kind of yeah. threw me a little. Yeah. And they're working up the contract. It's like, okay, we're going to be partners 50 50. I'm going, okay, wait a sec. Yeah. I know the days of the agent who took 10% is, are long gone, and you usually lose 50 to 20 now. I never heard of anybody who took 50%. Yeah. Mm. I, and, you know, who knows? Maybe that yeah. was a thing. I don't know. One of my questions was so, um, like wandering expositional women's sports, there's money in this in the <laughs> 50s? Like people would go to this? Yeah, I, apparently I, there was. I, well, according to this movie, yeah. I, I don't know. I You know, sporting events, there wasn't TV yet. Or, I mean, there was, but there uh, wouldn't not, have been not this much. kind of thing. Yeah, no. not, not everyone owned one. No, so, well, some of this came out of World War II. Things with the All-American Girls Baseball League. And yes, girls, that was the name. Uh, yeah, yeah, live with it. And of course but, they did that in the in the, the golf tournaments. And it's like, oh, and these plucky girls. It's like, really? Right, because all the men were gone. And then people are going, hey, um, these, these women are pretty good. Yeah. And like, maybe we, okay, well, we don't want them to play with the men, of course. <laughs> but... Uh, why don't we keep uh, keep going? You know, the people people are paying money to attend this to get some uh, some ink in the newspapers, well, and and maybe. they did. And I think I think I think uh, women's golf had been a little older than that because golf was considered more. Of, in fact, uh, one of the gangsters says golf it's a civilized game. You know, forget these lady wrestlers. <laughs> I, <love that>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to see that. And, you, and the thing is, you know, he does. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, golf was considered, it was an elitist game. It was, you know, well, it's still at nice. least in some ways. In Scotland, for example, it was much more working class. Because well, that's, <laughs> that's where it started. It also involved scotch. Uh, well, <laughs> And, oh, there's 18 or 25 holes I don't remember. <laughs> Where's your ball? I don't know. <laughs> okay, the next hole's up on that crag up there. The last four players fell to their death. I'll be right back. <laughs> We kid the Scots, and yet I'm Scottish, and we've both been to Scotland, and they're yep. very nice and fun-loving people. And they're great, I, they're great know, people. I want to go back. But, uh, uh, me too. Very much. Um, it, but yeah, I just bristled at the word girls. It's like, ugh, yep, let's make sure we put the diminutive in there, because we can't. they're not real athletes, they're that, girls. So that, we, that is the thing. This is a 1952 movie. It's yeah. very sexist. Yes. I mean... The fact he always, even Spencer Tracy always refers to her as a chick or a kid. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he ever calls her a woman. The funny part to me is that it is very sex, it's very misogynistic, except that the most capable person in the entire film is (laughs) Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. She's the one who's always, she always, now she falls apart a few times. She does, you know. Is one of the hard parts to to believe, which. Yeah. It's like. Except again, that's 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 a thing from the times. Yeah. She gets upset. But again, so do the others. And one of the plot points, in fact, is these two gangsters who uh, Spencer <laughs> Tracy is in business with take him outside to rough him up. And she comes outside. One of them is Charles Bronson. <laughs> and the other guy is this uh, fellow, George Matthews, who's like eight inches taller than Catherine Hepburn. And she wipes the floor with both of them. Well, because she, she weighs also, like 10 pounds in this yeah, movie. She also knows like judo or wrestling. And well, just. Just throws them all around, and Spencer Tracy is horrified because he's had to be saved by a <laughs> girl. Well, it, I'm sure she's using part of the fact that these guys are thinking twice about hitting a woman as part of her 
deal. Um, but one of the things she does is after after she the, the best part is we see her do this twice. It's not a stunt. There's no ropes or anything. She Charles Bronson has got um, Spencer Tracy in a an arm lock behind his his back, and she comes up behind him, grabs the cuffs of his pants, and yanks him up <laughs> so that he falls flat on his face. That's and, not as easy to do as it looks because we see Spencer Tracy try to do that <laughs> and he can't do it. Right, because because it's an actual judo move. So she does this, gets him on the ground, and then he pulls a blackjack, which not, nobody in the film seems to know what it is except Charles Bronson, and she manages to disarm him by doing a wrist lock. And, and then hits him with, with it. And hits him with it. And the best part is that they're at the police station the next morning or later that night or whatever, and there's like Chuck Connors, who is the seven foot five inch uh, <laughs> police chief or whatever, is like, so show me exactly what happened. And she keeps showing things, and he keeps turning to Spencer Tracy. It's like, what were you doing? And he's like, exactly what I'm doing. I stood there and watched. <laughs> and I love it. Eventually, Charles Bronson is hiding behind Chuck Connors. And he's, he's the, a, old, he's he's the only one trying her. to bring up charges. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, keep her away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Specs there is, she's, she's like, oh, and I'm totally sorry I broke your glasses. I shouldn't have done that. Um, yeah. Not much of a gangster, Specs, because all she does really to beat him is she pulls off his glasses and drops them on the ground, and he and blind, he pulls a and he pulls turns a Velma. into Velma. Yes. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a sco- big Scooby Doo uh, yeah. parallel here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's both misogynistic. On the other hand, if you really like all the men, I'm sure we're just getting a good laugh and watching. Oh, look what the, you know the women, ha! Huh? But if you really just like narrowed your vision a bit, you realize that Catherine Hepburn trounces everything in this film. She walks um, away with pretty much everything, yeah. and I mean, some of it, the the way like uh, Collier and Mike are talking about who owns her. Yeah, and that's a and of course she freaks out about that and is like, nobody owns me, not even me. Yeah, but even so, I have to say. One of my one of the lines I remember. I've seen this movie before, that I just loved. I know it's sexist, but I love the way Spence, uh, Mike describes her. Not much meat on her, but what there is is churse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, choice. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, it's it's funny. Uh, we had a comment from one of our listeners, your sister actually, Val, oh. who pointed out how a lot of the romantic comedies, a lot of the humor in it, came out as a result of the Hayes Commission. Mm. which was the censorship board, self-imposed, that was trying to uh, legislate morality into movies. and the, rule, the ridiculous rules, like if two, if a man and a woman appeared in a room in a bed together, one of their four feet had to be on the floor, because God knows there's no way to have sex that way. <laughs> yeah, 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 didn't work, Foots did it? <laughs> oh yeah, foots on the floor, sex impossible. But it, what it did, and Val pointed this out, is it made... Well, the writers hated this, so did everybody hated this. The audiences didn't like it either. It, yeah. It's amazing it, it held on for as long as it did. But the writers would start this, like, okay, we can't use certain language, so we've just got to get a lot more subtle and inventive with our dirty jokes. Right. And I, did you? there's one I caught when uh, she first comes to Mike's office. They're asking her about why she's called Mrs. Pemberton, and she says, I'm a widow. And what his uh, sidekick says, what kind? Mary? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, do you get why that's funny? Right. What? Well, it's a piece of lingerie. Partly. 
It is a piece of laundry. It's a combination sort of bustier corset. It's something else, too. It was a particularly popular brand of condom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, since I did not uh, familiarize myself before this particular episode with the brands of condoms from <laughs> 1950s, I no, I did not catch that. Part. It was actually earlier glad- than that. I caught that. I read that in a novel once. I ran a character. I had to look it up because the guy said, well, "Just make sure you use Merry Widows." I'm like what? <laughs> what the heck does that mean? I thought that. But yeah. So oh, that bizarre. was one of those little subtle whoops. Okay. Yeah, well, of course, the, the Hayes Code would eventually become the MPAA and the rating system that we now all know, love, and generally ignore. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, the what was originally GGP, because you and I remember GP films, yep. um, which are now PG and now broken down into PG, PG-13, uh, yeah, R and X, of course. PG, PG to the M minus one. Oh, it's not X anymore, remember? It's... Uh, oh, oh, right. What I the heck? I don't uh, know. They never NC seventeen. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Which <laughs> I think also. I saw one. Did I see one NC seventeen film? No, maybe not. I thought Passion was was um. Oh yeah, the, I was thinking the same thing. The Passion of the Christ. It was I either think, the Passion of the Christ or the Last Temptation of Christ. One of those was uh, NC seventeen. I bet it was the Last Temptation, which I didn't see. That's the one that had uh, uh, Hobgoblin as Christ. <laughs> yes. Willem, Willem Dafoe as Jesus, yeah. yeah. Which, okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you say so, I thought Ted Neely was an interesting choice, but... Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I'm the son of God! <laughs> I thought he was scarier without the mask. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any, we were way, way off topic. Way off topic, okay. yeah. Um, I will say this, too. Uh, I had to adjust the sound watching this, um, because Tracy mumbles... A lot. He does. He sometimes. He, he, that was part of his. Uh, I don't know. Part of his natural speech. But they had to be very careful with that. And you notice if you ever see him in like Inherit the Wind, where he's playing. Uh, oh, that's uh, the the Scopes Monkey Trail, right? Yeah, he's playing. I, for, I forget the character's name, but it's basically Clarence Darrow. That's not. What, oh, Henry Drummond is the character. Oh. But yeah. Oh, right. Because he'd go on to do uh, uh, what? What's up, Willis? What you talking about, Willis? Yeah, Drummond. Sure. Okay, uh, yeah. Yes, that. Henry, yes, that Henry Drummond. <laughs> Different strokes. Uh, yeah. Yes, he went and adopted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not quite. But same he, character, I'm sure. He cha- that's one of the mo- one of the movies where he doesn't mumble because he has very long, very elaborate speeches because this was based on a play, and he sp- he sounds very different. It's not his natural speech patterns. Hmm. And it still sounds good, but it's like, wow, he sounds really different than in just about everything else, except maybe, guess who's coming to dinner? Um, Laurence Olivier. <laughs> uh, no, I, that would actually be really awkward having as Billy he's been Barty. dead for a while. <laughs> he also been dead for a while. Um, okay. Uh, is it sort of like when Bob Dylan stopped smoking for that one song and everyone was like, what? And he stopped, then he started smoking again. Not quite that extreme, because you know, even at his most mumbly, Spencer Tracy is still pretty comprehensible. <laughs> I still don't. Sorry, Mr. Like... Dylan. <laughs> it's this is a job for Zimmerman. Uh, I still don't believe that that's actually him on Lay Lady Lay. I really don't. It really is him. Mm. Pretty sure. <laughs> I believe it's Spencer Tracy. <laughs> Spencer Tracy's covering Bob Dylan in... Okay. I would totally buy that album. <laughs> again, um, so, I, I just do... I want to talk again about uh, about Hucko. Yeah, I did. I, my first note for him was poor Hucko. <laughs> poor Hucko. Because yeah. uh, uh, Mike is a promoter. He basically has three major athletes in his stable. 
He's got, well, yeah, kind of. I mean, he's got Hucko the boxer. He's got uh, Pat the. Well, he's mostly having her as a tennis player, but also a golfer. And he has a horse called Little yeah, Nell. Yeah, Bumpy the Wonder Pony. Bumpy the Wonder Pony's mother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you uh, could and tell she was a prima donna. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got to say, there's one rather disturbing scene where, um, as Pat and Mike are starting to realize they have feelings for each other, like, and Pat. There are some odd sort of hallucinatory techniques, sort of uh, fantasy visual elements in this movie. You mean in the tennis the, match? The tennis match, and also when she's looking at the picture of her and Collier, mm. and suddenly Collier's face turns into Mike's face. Yeah. That's when she's like, oh. And then Spencer Tracy is out <laughs> with the, the horse, and he's petting <laughs> the horse. And I know this is mean because people used to accuse Catherine Hepburn of being horse-faced. Oh, she gets her face sort of superimposed on, you know, he's visualizing her face on on little Nell. And I got to say, you know, when she realizes it, you know, she she's like, what? You know, gives the weird take to the camera. And he just looks at the horse and goes, if only you were, and pats, the, pats her on the side of, of the face. Yeah, the other, the other weird visual is during the uh, match with uh, Gussie, whatever her name was. Gussie Sports Gussie, Star. Gussie, no, Gussie Moran. Yeah. Again, real tennis player. Uh, and suddenly, you know, she sees Collier and she starts... In effect, she's having a panic attack. Right. It's like when I think one of the few times you see a panic attack filmed on the screen, and some of the visualizations of it are actually pretty cool. Because suddenly the net... She sees the net is now nine feet high... And she's using it, her racket. She looks at it, it's like the size of a ping pong paddle. And Gussie's racket is like the, is enormous. Yeah, I found it kind of jarring. It is a little jarring because that's the only time we see that. Yeah, and it 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 does take it took me out of the film a little. Yeah, me too. Because it felt like this is a different type of humor that I didn't expect here. Um, although I don't know if you would have seen this, I, 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 am wondering if this isn't somehow tied together. Uh, when I went to rent this, as is often the case, um, they, I had the trailer available. Did you watch the trailer? I didn't. The entire trailer is animated. What? It's a cartoon. There are really? no actors in it. It's just an animated version of the characters in the film. Is it, to, is it the same style as like in the opening credits when we see just, uh, these still, uh, Drawings of the two of them? No, it's more like a Warner Brothers cartoon. It's more simplified than that. Wow. Yeah. It was just like, are we ever going to see the... No, we're not. We're, it's just like a minute and a half of a cartoon, and uh. they're telling you how great Pat and Mike is going to be. And it's like, this is bizarre. That's an interesting way to set up the movie. We're supposed to look at it as more of a cartoon, or as more of a screwball comedy? I mm. don't know. I just I happened to watch it because it was there, and I... Thought it was weird. I can uh, kind of, it. It kind of fits because a number of the characters are kind of cartoonish. Hucko certainly is. <laughs> yes, Hucko is very. I much. mean, <laughs> Hucko might as well just be dead. I was just passing by. Just passing by. Thought I'd stop in and say hello. Why, well, Crusher? How good? <laughs> it's good to see you. He's his his lack of intelligence is much more childlike. Yeah. He's really like a big five-year-old kid is really what he is. It's so it's it's sort of both cute and sad when he's jealous of Pat because Mike is paying more attention to her right. than he is to him. And and he's very and the thing about him is 
you know he wouldn't lie about it. He's no. just absolutely honest. He, and uh, you know, she said, "You don't, you know, because I don't, I don't like you." <laughs> <laughs> He's very pouty pony. Yeah, and, but she turns it around by getting. You know, she helps him with yeah. it, with his boxing, and then it's like. Now he's like the sort of goofy, uh, overgrown little brother. You know, he's like, uh, Mike, can I pick her up? <laughs> That's sort of fun for him. It's just lifting Pat up and swinging her around. Which again, because Catherine Hepburn weighed about eleven pounds, and Aldo Ray was the size of a moose, yeah. he has no trouble doing. Yeah, I think there was probably at least two Catherine Hepburns in him. And the thing is, he doesn't even look bulky. He's just no. very tall. He very says tall he weighs 197 and a quarter pounds, um, uh, which is possible, I guess. Maybe, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, she she looked, actually, I thought she looked a little too thin. I was a little worried about her, except then she just like, you know, plays tennis and golf and all this other stuff without any problem at all. There's one point where he's like, you need to do 50 hops. So she hops 50 times on one foot and she's yeah. not even winded. No, she's not breathing hard. She's not sweating. No, no she was a rich, she was in amazing shape. Yeah, she looked very thin, but what she was just all wire and muscle. Yeah. No. I mean, she lived to like, I think, 92. Yeah. And, you know, we make fun of her. Well, at least I do. But I I adore Catherine Hepburn. She's so great. I haven't seen a lot of her movies, but I adore her in all the ones I've seen. Um, again, Death Set is probably my favorite, um, which would come, I think, in 1955. One of the things I like about it is it's just like mid-50s New York City, which I kind of have a thing for. Oh. Um, yeah, and it's just, and those two are charming together. I will say that the age difference is, I don't know if it was less apparent in their earlier films, but in this one, it sort of feels like, it's hard to tell her age because she's so thin, but she feels like early 30s and he feels like late 40s. Uh, nope. You know how, how what the age difference between them was? No. Seven years. Oh, it feels like she's, a lot more. She is, I believe, 42 in this movie. Oh, well, good for her. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, like... <sighs> he look, he. I think Spencer Tracy looked grizzled when he was 15. <laughs> he just well, is one of those guys who looks middle-aged in his 20s. I also had this feeling that, like, all of her athletic ability at 42, which I did not know she was 42 in this, is better than any of his athletic ability back when he was in high school. Probably, Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's actually watching her because I'm sitting there going, there, I don't believe for a second there is a stunt double. That's her every time. And you watch it. This oh, yeah. is a wonderful oh, scene. It's very early in the film where she is lost to this annoying loudmouth patron of the arts or whatever she is who keeps telling her how she needs to fix her game and stuff. And thankfully, Collier walks out of frame and she's finally had enough and just gets pissed and she just grabs somebody else's golf ball and there's like eight golf balls on tees all set up yep. and she just goes and hits them all really straight one right after the other and it's Perfectly. like I bet she did that in one take. I utterly believe this. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, I like that sequence because when you know the, the society matron is trying you you need to keep your gluteal muscles tensed (laughs) and the caddy is looking at uh, at pat and he's like we know she's full of crap and i know you're better than she is well then he starts mouthing her words and stuff too yes and you realize he's heard it so often he's say he's mouthing them at the same time she's saying them (laughs) which is childish yet funny yeah Um, yep so yeah that was you know one of those other things it's just watching her like in tennis, it's like, I believe she's hitting the ball. I believe that's her on the court. It's just everything she did, 
I believed. And it's like, I didn't know that about Catherine Hepburn. It's like, I never, I always knew she looked fit, but I didn't know that she was that capable. Um, I'm sorry that she didn't, I mean, maybe during her career, because obviously most of her career was before we were born. But maybe during her career, she was known for doing this stuff. But Oh, absolutely. Um, I'd like to get to a couple of the talking points that we, we have sure. for these films, because yep. uh, we're trying to, 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 you know, tie them together thematically besides... Um, okay. chemistry. <laughs> yes. Now it's it's uh, it's Tracy and Hepburn. But of course, yes. Did you feel that they had chemistry in this film? I did. It's funny. I did. I don't know if I felt as much romantic tension between them, but I just you felt that they really liked each other. That they just they work so well together. They the way they can the way their their badinage works. The way they're repartee and such goes back and forth the comfort level they have with each other especially toward the end and it's funny because there's a couple of moments that are supposed there's supposed to be sexual tension like when he's working her arm and it's brought it brings their faces like a couple of inches apart and there it's more like well, okay I, I get that but you know the biggest passionate moment they have is a handshake yeah I I thought it was weird in this film because again it's Tracy and Hepburn they were like one of the best known teams in Hollywood especially man woman and I was like I'm not really buying it like again there's like you uh. said there's not a lot of romantic entanglement and I was like I think we're supposed to think there is because eventually of course there there's going to be um, and they all tell, oh, we're 50-50, and they obviously are they're going to get married or whatever. Um, I certainly don't believe she has any with Collier. <laughs> no, there's no chemistry there. I um, thought they had chemistry, but I don't know about sexual chemistry. Well, even I romantic. Yeah. I thought they just had, it was two people who just obviously adore each other. But I'm not sure about what level. There yeah. isn't a sense of passion here. No. Not really at all. Uh, and then, like you said, that one where he's like, oh, that horse's head reminds me of Catherine. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I keep thinking, wow, so you want to put a saddle and bridle on her? Or well, also just are equating, you into pony play? What? Equating the name Catherine and a horse is just... Oh! <laughs> so, especially uh. when he says, if only you weren't, it's like, and then what? What yeah. would you do? If yeah. that horse had Catherine Hepburn's face, what would... <laughs> tell me right now! <laughs> Actually, don't. I really no, don't want to know. Yeah, no, no, no. I think you took that to a whole weird area. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't think that was even in the subtext. I Mary Widow. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the other ones we talk about. So this one is, is an older film. I actually thought it was older than it was. I read the date at the beginning of the film and then convinced myself I'd misread it and it was 1942. Because the film felt older to me than it actually was. Because um, again, Desk Set I think is 1955. I should check that. It's three years later and it feels a lot more modern. Not only because it's in color, but it just does. Um, but The Times, we've, we talked a little bit about this. Um, the Times, there's there's some apologies to be made, right? Well, I don't know about apologies, but there's some acknowledgments to be made. This is very, A lot of this is very dated. The, well, the way the, they, they talk about women, the way they deal with with women are yes. are very much a product of the 50s. By the way, there's no way that could have been the 40s. We would not have seen Catherine Hepburn's legs quite so much. Uh, potentially, yeah. Um, but I guess the, the apology, I, I guess, is if, if we end up recommending this film, 
it's with that caveat that, yeah, there's a lot of issues with the times in this yeah. film that people might have objections to. Keep Although, again, in. Catherine Hepburn rises above all of them, so... She really does. But again, it's all in some ways it's kind of sad that way because you yeah. look at her and you look at this even the character and you think, here is this character who's more competent, obviously smarter, better at everything than the men, and she is always going to be subservient. She's always going to be an other. She's always going to be less than. Yeah. I mean <clears throat> it, it it can be frustrating. If you see this movie in its context, in the in the time in the context of the times, keep keep that in mind because there are some things that will set your teeth on edge. Yeah, and it, for me, one of them was just calling all the women golfers girls. It's like okay, I I, I understand it's fifty two, but just stop. <laughs> I, like, I I do have to say the the moment I really like is at the very end when she asks him the variant of the three questions because all through the movie. Mike keeps asking Hucko the three. Okay, I gotta ask you the three questions, and it's like this this discipline thing. It's like, okay, you know, who is who made you? You did. Who owns the biggest party of you? Do what'll happen if what happens? If, what is it if I drop you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What happens if I drop you? I go straight to the bottom and stay there. <laughs> and at the end, when they're out and when she's out golfing, she looks at him and asks him the same questions. And unhesitatingly, he gives the same answers. You know, who owns the biggest? Who made you? You did. <laughs> who owns the biggest party? You do. And and what happens if I drop you? I go right down the drain and and take you with me, shorty. <laughs> I, I don't really think he can get away with calling her shorty because he's like what an inch taller than you. But still, it's a really sweet moment. Yeah. Um, which leads me to one of my other questions, which we we talk about in this uh, this little rom com uh, series we have going on. Do we buy it? Do we buy them? Now, of course, <laughs> that's it's it's a loaded question because again, it's it's Tracy and Hepburn, and it's like, I, I don't, do we ever not buy them? But do we buy them as a romantic couple at the end? I don't know. I have to say, I buy them as pals and partners i buy them as they could be absolutely dear friends it's in this movie and it's not true in some of the others in this movie it's i don't quite buy them as yeah. as a romantic couple not quite yeah me I, either I, i'm not exactly sure why i think it's more because of the jockeying for power in the relationship that we get yeah you know he obviously wants to just tell her what to do the way he tells the boxer, what to do, and the way I assume he tells the horse what to do. <laughs> Their son, Hucko. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. They're going to have to adopt Hucko. They really are. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I can actually picture them as older folks living together, but never having really had sex with each other. Or at least they did it once and didn't, like, like eh, we don't need this. It comes to, like, the whole... The Greeks had that whole different types of love. You know, there's eros, which was, uh, you know, sexual love. And there's a couple of others. The one I always remember is, I, and I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, is agape or agape, which uh -huh. is, um, they, unfortunately, they use the term brotherly love. But right. it's the love between friends, the love non-sexual, but just as binding and just as strong. And I get that from them in yeah. this movie. I don't really get the eros from them. Yeah. Um, I don't either. 
And, and in that case, if this is meant to be a romantic comedy, which I think it is, yeah. then I don't buy that connection either. And the film, to me, also ends kind of suddenly. Um, yeah, it kind of does. Even more finds, so than it happened one night ends kind of suddenly. But Well, and there's something that, that uh, Mike does, Spencer Tracy character, character does, that I expect him to follow up, and he doesn't actually do anything, and I was kind of surprised. So early on, when uh, uh, Pat is going with Mike, she... Right before a match, I think it's her first one even, she kisses him on the cheek. Very, It's very platonic. But cosmetics being what they were at the time, it leaves a big smudge. Oh, and yeah. he wipes it off on his handkerchief, and he looks at it like very calculatingly, like, I wonder how I can work with this. And oh, I, ex I, I expected him to plant it on Collier later because he knew that Collier was a problem. But he doesn't. Nothing ever comes of it. It's just. It's just a. It's a. Red oh, hair. I thought. It, I thought it was just. It was supposed to be a sentimental gesture. Like he wipes off her list, lipstick and he's about to throw the handkerchief away, and then he folds it up and puts it in his wallet. Because to me, it, what it looks like is he looks at it and he looks more calculating than he looks romantic. Huh. Um, and then, which is you know again doesn't help us feel like they're going to be a, that kind of married couple. Also, just as a married couple, I just can't see either of them really falling into the traditional role that we expect them to it's like she's not staying home and doing dishes um i maybe he does uh i don't know but it's like it's i no, almost no, kind what, of want that's what they have hucko for <laughs> that's right that's how hucko does all that i did the dishes mike what do i do now uh and he really does talk like that and he is absolutely adorable it's yep. like you want to just you know give him his his dish of food and send him off to his puppy dog because um one of the other things uh, I want to ask about is the circumstance. So how these two get together. What do oh, we feel yeah, about that's, that? That's kind of a weird moment in that the first time they meet, he and his associate have broken into her hotel room yeah. and are rifling through her things. Yeah. And then when she catches them, they ne he never explains who he is. What he's doing there first is trying to get her to throw the match. Yeah. Well, like, he wants her to come in second. Yeah, which is throwing the match. Right, but I think he specifically, it wasn't even like, I want you to do three. No, I want you to come in second, not yeah. third or fourth or whatever. And she was, I guess, a, a pretty much an unknown because up until then, only Mr. Howell believed in her. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she's just not going to do it, which is good for yeah. her. But um, And they leave by climbing out the window. Yeah. Like, why isn't she calling the police? Yeah. <laughs> It's just like, but also I'm sitting there going, is there a lot of gangster money in women's golf? This is a thing? Well, I to guess? be fair, there's a lot of money in gambling. And when you have gamblers, gamblers will gamble on anything. Anything. I mean, Good Lord, people gamble on Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I kid you not. There's big just money. Just by being, buying cards. Yep. They gamble on, because, you know, there are officially sanctioned tournaments. People gamble on that. I'm betting people gamble on Pokemon. Probably. Yeah. Nah, believe me, if there's anything where there is a winner or a loser, someone is betting on it. Yeah. I I thought the circumstance felt a little odd, too. Like, you know, here's this woman's golf tournament tournament in wherever it was. I'm guessing it was supposed to be Florida. Um, hey, I believe they're Florida a lot better than I believe uh, two weeks ago's uh, Illinois, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Or no, I guess it was no the East Coast. It yeah, was East uh, Coast, Pennsylvania too, yeah. and well, yeah. yeah. Um, 
I just oh we here's this this manager who manages a fighter and a racehorse who just happens to be on this women's golf course thinking you know i could make a huge amount of money i better break into her hotel yeah their weird. meeting is problematic it's weird it and I, weird. I i assume it's supposed to be played for laughs but it's not that funny no and even you know i even then i think it would be considered a bit disturbing Hi, here are two strange men in your in your room as you're starting to get undressed. And of course he walks in and he's wearing like the classic gangster suit. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about this film, you know, spoiler, I haven't seen it before. And I'm like, is Spencer Tracy playing a gangster? What Would be the huh? first time? And it's like kind of. He's yeah. just not very good at it. <laughs> he's just sort of a shady sports pro- uh, promoter, which yeah. also raised the question when she decides, you know, she literally abandons Collier on a train saying, I'm, go- I'm not going to just ma- get married. I'm going to go and prove myself as an athlete. Why does she go to, to Mike? Why does she go to Spencer Tracy? The, her only, I mean, he left her his card, which admittedly is like, okay, this, that's an odd kind of burglar who breaks in to leave you his card. <laughs> ah, sorry, I tried to rob you. By the way, this is me. <laughs> And she, but she goes to him. Says, "Hi, yeah, I want to take you up on your offer. I want to become a professional athlete." Like, there are, there have got to have been other people she could have gone to in New York City. Yeah, New York City. Get a rope. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I had problems with that too. But yeah. uh, you know, of course, the whole equation. If you want to look at this as a geometrical theorem, or I should say, a, a uh, no, that's what you proof is a proof. Yeah. Okay. Given Spencer Tracy and given Catherine Hepburn, how do we get them together? Because the end yeah. result's going to be them together. Yeah, um, but it just, was weird. Yeah, I mean, again, maybe they feel they don't have to work that hard with them because it's like, it's those two. They're, it's their natural chemistry, their natural magnetism. Of course they're going to end up together. We just have to go along for the ride. But it, it those are the weaker parts of the script. Yeah. And, you know, this being the series that we're doing, and I don't actually think we've done this before uh, so much, but, you know, there's things we expect from our romantic comedies because there are things that they have been doing for decades. And, you know, the circumstance is usually a big part. How do these people that obviously generally shouldn't have met meet? Um, does one of them fall off a boat and then conquer head and have amnesia and then suddenly think that... Uh, um, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell is somebody who he's not, because, you know, that could happen. That's a very specific example, but sure. And yet. (laughs) (laughs) Old jungle boy, you know, there he goes. Uh, Girl, boy, boy, boy. (laughs) Oh, Kurt, you've had such a long and varied career. Side note, Kurt Russell appeared on Gilligan's Island. So... (laughs) And many Disney films. So uh, that's it for my notes and my uh, talking yeah. points. Did you have anything before we do the wrap up? No, I think that uh, I think we covered it all. Cool. So, oh, he- here we go. Yep. The roundup. So you say you hadn't seen this before. What did you think? I actually hadn't even heard of it. Really? Okay. Yeah. Like I certainly have heard of Tracy and Hepburn. I just hadn't heard of this. Um, honestly pretty uneven huh um i i love Catherine. i love Catherine hepburn in this i love watching her just pick up like a an implement and perfectly use it like oh here's a golf club i can do that whack 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 oh here's a tennis racket i can use that whack 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 oh here's a blackjack i know how to use that uh i i utterly believe her ability 
both as an actor and as an athlete in this film. She is a gem. I, I'm telling you, Bannister, a gem. <laughs> uh, Help. Spencer Tracy is fine, but I think his performance is uneven. He starts off a lot gruffer than he is, and his character becomes, oh, the gruff guy with the heart of gold. And I don't know that it's written that well. Um, Hucko's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> That poor big dumb kid. Uh, they really do need to just adopt him. He just needs to be their son. And it doesn't matter how old they all get, he will still be their son. Yeah. Um, I. The circumstance is weird. Um, I, I don't really kind of buy it. And honestly, I didn't think it was that funny. Until we get to the, the, the altercation at the restaurant, I didn't really laugh. Huh. Um, again, I like them. But it didn't grab me so much. Okay. Um, and, and this is considered like one of, uh, you said it was Catherine Hepburn's favorite of their two films, right? Of their nine films, yeah. Their nine, uh, two, I meant of the two of their films. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's one of those sentences you can't get right. It just won't work. Yeah, it doesn't parse. Of their nine films, this is, a, this is her favorite. Yeah. Um, I wonder why. I wonder if it's because she finally got to do some of those, you know, athletic things and showcases. Like, I'm not just an actor, and not and a damned good one. I'm also this. But I, I've liked them better in other films. Huh. What about you? Well, I had seen this movie before. I saw it when I was a kid. Not in the theater. I'm not that old. <laughs> but uh, I, I did, I believe, see it on a videotape cassette. And, As a zygote, Max went to see. <laughs> And I like it. I, I think their their relationship is really sweet, even if it's not terribly romantic. I do agree it's uneven. There are parts... If nothing else, I remember sitting going, I don't remember there being this much tennis in this movie. And tennis? Really? Like, I used to play cricket. Exactly. And it's like, well, we sure are watching a fair amount of tennis in now. Some of the tennis sequences go on rather long, as do some of the golf... They tend to mix in other stuff, but uh, th there are parts that drag, and mm. there are parts that are very uncomfortable to watch. When she's screwing up, she screws up again, because mm. it's so against Catherine Hepburn's nature. Yeah. It feels re really wrong watching her mess up. It's too obvious that she's going, okay, I'm going to miss this shot, but I'm going to miss it perfectly. <laughs> Like you're waiting for that Commander Quig twitch because yes. she has to force herself to miss. Yeah, but <laughs> I also, I also, I love the side characters. I, I think Charles Bronson was really funny. <laughs> I thought he was. And, and when was the last time you said that? Oh yes, the comedic <laughs> wanderings of Charles Bronson. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, I liked his, you know, all of the sidekicks, and I, lo I love Hucko. Hucko's great. Oh, yeah. And. Uh, and the, the way they, they deal. And again, while Collier... It, William Ching is not a great actor, and no. Collier is an awful character, but he's so wonderfully awful. Yeah. He's, he's one of those guys you just really enjoy hating, and you really want him to see, to see him get what's coming to him, which he doesn't really, except he gets dumped. Yeah. And uh, you're like, finally! Well, he doesn't even really get dumped. He misinterprets something, and they just sort of decide to let him believe it, and he yeah. storms off. Yeah. Even Which that, it works, it works out very easily for them. Uh, I, I really enjoy the two of them. I like the way they're back and forth. I like the way they talk. But yeah, this is not, uh, uh, this isn't the strongest of their films, I don't think. I'm glad it's her favorite. I don't think it's their best. Yeah. I, if but you're I do enjoy for... it. I do enjoy it. 
I would say that if you're looking for a a, a Tracy and Hepburn film, I, I have not. I think I've maybe only seen the two of them. Uh, I would recommend Desk Set more. I really like Desk Set a lot. It was one of my mom's favorite films. It's very charming. Uh, it takes place almost entirely in one room. It's probably based on the play. That's usually what that means. Um, and in a way, the chemistry you kind of. I actually kind of don't believe them as a romantic couple at all. Um, Huh. Well, again, I, some of that is what we know about them. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, I, I like that film a little bit better, but that's just me. So Max loves it. See it for Max. Don't yep. see it for me. Yep. So, but speaking of them, what are we, what are we going to see next week? Well, uh, circling around... Um, oh, before we circle around, I'd like to take care of a little business, oh, if I yes, may. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Business. That's new. So, hey, do you have ideas, comments, thoughts? Keep them to yourself! <laughs> Sorry, sorry. This is Max's home address. It's... Hey! No, no, you can email them to us at our very own email address. We know because we pay for it, meaning Max pays for it. Uh, It is us at maxmikemovies.com. And hey, things like this particular series were suggested by listeners, so your comments do count. They do. You can also comment on our website, which is, unsurprisingly, maxmikemovies.com. Uh, you can find us on the podcast app of your choice, up to and including Spotify. Uh, you said iHeartRadio we're on yeah, now? Yep, we're I think on that's there. how the Finnish people find us. <laughs> you want to be Finnish? Sure, we all do. <laughs> um, so yeah, our website has all of our episodes on it. This is episode 123, although there's some specials, so we're in the 120 somewhere. There's lots to catch yep, up on. Yep. Um, you can find us on what Facebook. What are you waiting for? <laughs> Christmas is coming. Um you can find uh, us on, if you don't listen soon, we'll be they'll be locked up in the Max Mike vault. Yeah, we're gonna only <laughs> let them out every seven years, like yeah. Disney used. Yeah, to do. exactly. The platinum edition, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's where I edit in the uh, the laugh track. Um, <laughs> we also have uh, our Facebook page, um, and I think that's it for social media. Well, these well, days. So we're on the we're on the Twitter. You know, you know that that thing. We I have we have all six of our followers because <laughs> I don't have a Twitter account. So, uh, yeah. So there's all that. But to bring things back around, you mentioned that one of the writers of this film was Ruth Gordon. Yes. Well, as a matter of fact, Ruth Gordon plays a large part in next week's film, Rosemary's Baby. Was she in that? Yeah. Oh, she, she never played, saw it. She played plays a very creepy neighbor. Is Rosemary's Baby a romantic comedy? Sure. (laughs) Well, we're not watching that. (laughs) We're going to skip ahead a few decades, and we are going to go to a, uh, what I understand is a very odd romantic comedy. I've never seen it myself. Um, But uh, a very uh, artsy, well-thought-of film, from what I understand, called Harold and Maude. Oh, is that one starring B. Arthur? No. Oh. You've got, as usual, everything wrong. Okay. (laughs) Good night, everybody. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. 